Okay, everybody, welcome back to another episode of Kente Corner, your favorite Georgetown Hoyas podcast. I'm Bobby Bancroft, here again with Andrew Geiger, Casual Hoya, and Ben Standick from The Athletic. We're back again for a special occasion. It's not a great occasion if you are a Georgetown faithful follower. Mac McClung, who was in the NBA draft, is now not in the NBA draft, but he's also not going to be playing at Georgetown. He's expressed his intent to transfer in two seasons. Mac McClung played 50 games. He averaged about 14 points, three boards, two assists. Uh, for a shooting guard, he shot 39% overall, about 30% from three. He was a first-team all-freshman selection two seasons ago. His entire freshman class has now transferred, which also included James Akinjo and Josh LeBlanc. Guys, Georgetown basketball. Yeah. I mean, why do we do this to ourselves? You know, I mean, I I know it's kind of tongue-in-cheek when I say sports is pain. You know, this is episode 51 of this podcast. I've been saying it since episode one, and and nothing's changed. And, you know, every single time anything comes out related to this program, it just makes me want to stab myself in the eye. I mean, before before this call, we kind of just chatted about, you know, where we were today when we heard the news, and um, you know, I went up for a jog, right? I had I finally had some, some nice time to myself today, um, in the middle of a pandemic, to get outside and get some fresh air, and then halfway through it, phone starts blowing up with with this garbage. The three of us have spent hours <laughs> discussing this kid what his intentions are, what's he going to do, what's he not going to do. We gave predictions, Ben's talking to agents. I mean, and now we, we get this nonsense today, two days after Ewing does another round of interviews on various networks, um, you know, talking about the last dance, but also talking about guys coming back, what he's looking forward to doing for next season with the team. It, the program is, is off the rails right now. I mean, I, there's really no other way to look at it. I, I'm a, a big, as big of a Ewing apologist as, as anyone. I, I think he's a, he's a good coach, but there clearly is a disconnect between him and the players. I think that's clearly evidence, not just, not just by today, but the eight kids that have left in his few years as head coach. I mean, that's crazy. I mean, this, this is Georgetown. This isn't, you know, so, some, some school from another Power Five conference that you'd expect a, a lot of, you know, kids leaving because for whatever reasons. And and I be, I believe Mac McClung has good reasons for leaving. I believe that he thinks that in order for him to become a pro, he needs to be a point guard, and he's not going to get that opportunity at Georgetown. But still, for a school that so rarely had seen players leave, for this sort of thing to become a new normal. And for McClung, who was clearly going to be the guy next year, the guy who was going to play as long as he could stay on the court and take as many shots as he wanted. I mean, the kid could have possibly led the conference in scoring next season. I mean, that's not out of the question. You're talking about a bad Georgetown team. He could score 25 points a game easy. And now, you know, put put next year's team and roster aside, I I think you really need to look at this program from a macro level and see – and kind of ask some difficult questions. And I, I don't know that those are questions that are going to be asked 
by anyone, uh, especially given, you know, some quotes I saw later this afternoon from the athletic director that said, you know, we, we knew this would be a long road ahead when, when Ewing was hired, and we've seen improvement in, in all aspects. Well, I, I certainly wouldn't agree with that. Ben? Um, I, I feel like I need to uh, um, build up some momentum here before I probably get into some uh, – <laughs> to get into some – Real uh, thoughts and, and and sort of lay lay, lay uh, drop the hammer as it were on on a few things. I mean, I, you know, when, when I heard the news, I mean, just I, I was actually uh, I was doing some work. I wasn't paying attention to Twitter, and uh, I I reached out to a colleague of mine um, about an article that we were all kind of working on together, and <laughs> he he said to me something about yada 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 and the McClung news, blah blah. And I was like, McClung news, what? And then I look at Twitter, and I was like, oh wow, it really did, uh, it really did happen. Um, how about uh, uh, my, how about how about my text message? That came uh, soon thereafter. I, it was uh, Bobby sent me an LOL, and I, I I pretty much figured out what he was looking at at that moment. Um, yeah, I mean, look, I, there, there, there's a lot of very aspects to get into this. Um, you know, we've obviously gone through this McClung uh, in, in multiple ways over the last few weeks that you guys have had me on here, um, and there's plenty to, to to get into. I, you know, I'll just say sort of on the outset, I know there was, you know, talk about, um, uh, you know, a couple weeks ago after I had talked to him um, about his decision to test the NBA draft, and then there was some, you know, talk about him transferring you know, look, obviously it happened, so I can't sit here and say that, you know, everything just sort of came up, came came about in the last little bit. But as best as I can sort of piece it together, and I, you know, not going to claim I have every source on this, but, you know, I, I do think this was something of a more recent decision. I really do think that what happened with Patrick Ewing and the Andy Katz podcast, stupid or not, um, you know, was a, a tipping point. That maybe it wasn't the ultimate you know, tipping point, maybe it was only a cherry on top, but, you know, my sense is that things were not like he wasn't desperate to, to, to leave school. And, and, you know, this kind of came out of nowhere. I do think this was somewhat sudden. And the fact that Ewing himself said last, you know, said to Andy Katz, McClung was coming back, even if he, as we, you know, at least I said at that point, I think, you know, you guys may have as well, that, you know, what's he doing? Why, why, it, it, I'm not taking Patrick Ewing as a liar. He assumed McClung was coming back, and I would have to believe if he had any hint that the kid was going to be transferring, you know, he wouldn't have said what he said. You know, so I think this all did come up fairly quickly. Um, you know, it, it, the, the NBA put out some news today, along with uh, the NCAA, about changing the date of when players um, <clears throat> have to decide whether they're going to be in and. Um, you know, the tra- if, if you're going to transfer, you probably do have to start moving soon because, you know, scholarships are filling up. And, and that was a comment we ha- I had at least in one of these podcasts recently was, you know, um, when, when do these players have to make some decisions? Because schools need to know what's kind of what's their scholarship situation look like. But I was thinking more at that moment from Georgetown needs to know, how, you know, do they need to fill that spot? Not uh, maybe because he's going to the NBA kind of thing, not because um, he would he would transfer. So kind of rambling here we'll get into some more stuff when bobby asks questions but i i i'm, I'm going to sort of maintain that it's something of a relatively new thing i do think the point guard thing was part of it for sure i think there's another thing we can get into that i haven't heard discussed yet that i, I suspect played some factor in this but um wow <laughs> i mean at the end of the day 
we were already bracing for a Georgetown team next year that would be able to be like 9, 10, 11 in the Big East. They obviously can't get much worse than that. But now not only are they really in that range, which doesn't seem like a ton of hope without knowing what the freshmen are offering, the most exciting guy they had on the team, the most exciting player they've had on the team in years. Let's be real. Like, he was fun to watch. Not saying he was the best player, but he was a lot of fun to watch. That's gone. And, uh, <laughs> I mean, you know, we'll, we'll see. There's always new guys coming in and blah, blah, blah. But to lose him on top of everything else that's happened, it really is just a wow for this program right now. So, Georgetown did put out a release today, and it was pretty quick. I was actually a little, little uh, surprised that it, it included a quote from Ewing, which I don't think it has. I, I couldn't find the tracking I had of that, but it's been rare that he's had a quote, which is kind of normal. JT3 would usually have a quote that just says, you know, we wish the guy the best. Um, but l- let me just read jo- the, the quote from the Georgetown press release. Uh, Mac was an integral piece of our program, and when he let me know his decision, I was disappointed but he needs to do what's best for him. I want to wish him luck in his future endeavors. Moving forward, our focus is the core, what we have coming back. That's from Ewing. Um, This is from the ESPN article, which I believe was the first one. And I just want to point out that I think McClung's been a really nice kid to talk to. Um, He has sort of, at least in my estimation, based on judging him against other college basketball players that I've had the chance to talk to from different schools, he seemed like he... You know, really nice, but also very knows what to say and probably more importantly knows what not to say. Very polished, very political. So he has a couple quotes in here. A a little surprised. For him, it's kind of a lot, I think. Um, It was a number of different events that made me feel I had no choice but to transfer from Georgetown. He told ESPN, I really wanted to stay, but things throughout my career made me realize I couldn't. I'm looking for a place I can call home a place I can be part of a family and help them succeed. You know, I mean, from him, I think, and, you know, Ben can speak to this as well. I think that that's, that's a lot coming from McClung. Yeah. And, you know, you guys were the ones asking questions of him. So you, you probably have more insight into this than I do. That comment, I, I think rubbed a lot of people at Georgetown or at least Georgetown alums the wrong way. I mean, you always hear recruits and players at Georgetown talk about how much of a family it is. So for him to come out and say, I'm looking for some place where I can be part of the family, that's kind of striking. And I don't really know what is behind that. I I, I was thinking that (sighs) – Maybe he, maybe he wants something that Georgetown simply can't provide or was hesitant to provide. Um, I've, I've mentioned on the site that I remember when he was a freshman, you'd see a lot of those clips from overtime, you know, whatever, of his highlights from games. You didn't see any of that last year, or it was certainly less prevalent. I don't know if, if Georgetown kind of put a kibosh on whatever video guy was following Mac around. You know, maybe that's something that, that Mac – wants and and needs moving forward to maintain his widespread Instagram popularity and whatnot. I mean, he's got over 700,000 followers on Instagram. He's, he's not your, your average sophomore shooting guard. I mean, he's, he's a, almost like a a social media influencer kind of player. So you're, we're dealing with, with someone different 
Um, and really that combined with the need to get the, to the pro level to kind of showcase his brand, I guess, um, he wasn't going to have that opportunity at Georgetown. The family thing rubs me the a wrong way a little bit just because, I mean, his parents came to games. There's a, a lot of documentation on the Internet, pictures of the, the whole coaching staff with the, the mom and dad and family this and family that. I, I That doesn't strike me as a, a real reason for leaving at all. I, I almost wish he would just be honest and say, look, if I need to get to the pros, I'm not going to be able to do it here where we have, you know, half a dozen point guards on the roster and I'm going to be playing the two as an undersized two, and that's not going to get me to the next level. You know, the, the statements like that are always tricky. I mean, that somebody gets to deal with quotes, you know, did, did um, you know, did, did the did the person, um, you know, misspeak slightly? You know, as we know, one word can change something. Did, did it, you know, was it a prepared statement? Did it just sort of blurt something out? Um, to take that, if you you know, to not not saying you guys are wrong by any stretch, but to able to say that it's correct to sort of interpret that's a little bit of a dig at Georgetown with the family thing. Bobby is absolutely right. This kid is the most polite dude around. When I when I talked to him a couple weeks ago, it was very much of a yes sir kind of a conversation. I don't know if he ever said sir, but like he was very polite, very mannered. You know, very, you know, didn't uh, <laughs> did, didn't high step on any of his answers. He was very direct proper everything with his comments and that and therefore to take those comments it does seem out of out of whack so what gets somebody out of whack like that especially you're making a, a statement to espn you clearly want this out there emotion has got to be a factor if we're to believe that it is something of a dig and that's why i go back to the idea that this is something that's come up fairly quickly rather than something that's been building for a while if he was building for a while what's the you know why, you know, you, you know, I mean, like, you know, at, at some point, you know, we all get mad at people. Eventually, that that dies down. So, if again, if we're to believe that 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 comment was a bit of a shot, or you know, wow, okay, he's, you know, he's 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 kind of upset with something, then you have to believe that there's some <clears throat> some emotion um, in play there. And obviously, you know, the Ewing thing was just a week ago. I mean, t- time in this coronavirus world <laughs> seems to go forever, but I think it was just a week ago. Uh, so, so there's. So there's that aspect of it all, and uh, you know, I mean, I, I think that's interesting, uh, you know, to, to to look at it from from that perspective. Um, you know, what what could what could it mean? The whole family thing. You know, when he talked to me, you know, I, I mentioned something about like how involved was was Ewing in his thought to test the NBA, and he said Patrickson was very supportive of everything. You know, I, I've been doing and this, that, and the other. Okay, like I said, could have been bullshitting to me. Am I allowed to say that on here, Bobby? Sorry. Yeah, yeah. Uh, fuck yeah. Fuck yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, okay, great. Uh, so, you know, I don't know. He could have been, but I didn't take it that way by any stretch, and there would have been no reason for me to to, to think that. So, um, you know, you know, I, so what So you know, what changed? I, I do think, you know, I mean, as I wrote last week in The Athletic, I, I really do think Ewing added confusion to what was becoming an increasingly tense situation, that him saying those comments to Andy Katz again – just whatever you want to say, I think the kid really wanted to try. And, I mean, to, to see what the NBA was offering, it doesn't matter what they said to him. It's just that he wanted to try, and it felt like, you know, on some level, you know, Ewing, if Ewing is that cocksure, he's not coming back, it almost was like he's discounting his opportunity that he could go to the NBA. And that's not where he, that's not where McClung's head was at. The first time I talked well, to him, he definitely thought he had a shot. And, and ben, Ewing was saying he's coming back. Ben, you've been, you've, been, you've been kind of dancing around something, it seems. I mean, you're, 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 
at, at the outset you kind of said, well, you know, I'll, I'll talk about this when we get to it. Well, what, what are you talking about? Um, so, uh, you know, I, I, from a reporting standpoint, I would probably want to do more digging before I got into some things. I'm curious about that foot injury. I mean, the whole thing seemed weird to me when it happened that he came back. Uh, I mean, I think Bobby can tell me if I'm wrong, but like, I think when we were talking about it at the time, sort of like he's not coming, like if he's coming back at that point, it's going to be at the very end of the season or, you know, maybe, maybe not at all. It just didn't feel Again, we're not seeing the medical reports. They don't let us talk to the doctors. We get cryptic comments from Ewing here and there. But just my sense of the situation was that he wasn't, you know, ready to come back. And whatever the reason, whether he was rushed or he wanted to, I, I don't know. Something with that foot injury, to me, I wonder what what happened there. And the fact that when I talked to him, he was still, you know, he didn't say he was all the way back. He said he was doing stuff and you know, sort of suggested that, you know, he was fine, but, you know, not not quite not quite right. I, I think there's something about I, – I would be interested to see what comes out of, about the foot situation. Probably nothing ever because, obviously, he probably wants to move on with his life. And George Aaron obviously doesn't talk about stuff. And like I said, could be wrong. You know, people get hurt. They re-injure themselves all the time. That's not that uncommon. But I do kind of wonder about the handling of that situation. It just seems it seems odd at that moment in time when he came back in. And, Bobby, again, correct me if I'm wrong on sort of the, how we kind of thought about it in that moment. But it just felt like he wasn't going to be back for a while. Then he comes in, plays, what, eight minutes or something, and then we didn't see him again the rest of the year. Yeah. Um, I mean, the injury, I think, is weird from a couple angles. The only, you know, I did not think Matt McClung was ready to play in the NBA after last season. I'm not sure if he's ever going to have a future in the NBA, but it doesn't mean he's not a really good college player. But so the fact that he was testing the waters in a time where you can't really test the waters, and he's probably not 100%. That, to me, was kind of a, a blinking light over there. Um, also, when he did come back in that game, he got hurt in the first half. I think he played eight minutes, missed a couple four shots. That night seemed weird. He didn't come back to the bench. Um, and then at the Big East tournament, I know it was a big deal. I was there. We we're trying to see if McClung or Year 7 was going to warm up. Year 7, as we know, eventually played. The fact that McClung didn't even travel there. I remember mm-hmm. thinking that was weird. Like there's just been a couple things that were sort of, Oh, you know, you follow Georgetown for 30 or, you know, years or so you see these things happen. You're like, these aren't necessarily awesome. Um, yeah. Um, you don't know. You don't know if, you know, was he, was he trying to play? Did they try to get him to play? I mean, based on sort of the way that your seven thing unfolded, you know, it seemed like they're obviously letting the players decide when they want to come back. So I'd be surprised if he was if he was forced back, but everything does. When you look back, it's all kind of just sort of. This doesn't seem exactly perfect. Yeah, and well, clear, it also I, seems I, that I, don't, I was just going to say sorry. that it, it also sounds like he's trying to apply for a, a waiver to play immediately next season. I, I don't see how in the world he gets one granted unless he's talking about some sort of injury that he had and if it was mishandled because otherwise I don't see how on earth a, uh, a waiver would, would be granted to make him immediately eligible next season, wherever he ends up. Um, and just to go back to the foot thing, just bri- briefly, like, like I said, I don't know what, what happened there and I don't even necessarily know how, how impactful that was, but just my sense of the situation is that that foot injury in some capacity treatment of it that he came back you you know he whether it was his choice their choice whatever it may be something about that you know you know when we talk about this idea of family 
you know, obviously, again, that, that, that could mean nothing. It could mean everything. But something like, you know, your body, your injury, the, the people there to take care of you, what, you know, these coaches, the, the, this program in general, when you think about what does it mean to take care of these players? Well, your physical well-being is very high on, on that kind of list. And, you know, if, he, if there's some concern about that, you know, I, like I said, I'm just wondering how much that played – that played a factor. I mean, the idea of the point guard thing, totally get it. They're bring, specifically, they're bringing in the kid from Arkansas. But come on, Mike McClung, if he's, the, you know, is he their best player next year? Probably, right? I mean, right? So you're telling yeah. me that Patrick Ewing is just going to say, nah, <laughs> you can't play point guard. It just means you're going to transfer adios, Muchacho. I mean, maybe. I mean, they, they've obviously let a bunch of other guys now leave. But, like, just the idea that, like, he couldn't play point guard, forget it. There are too many other guys. I just can't buy that completely. I mean, from a, strictly from a strategy standpoint, I get it, right? You need him to score. You have other guys who can play that position. But from like an overall standpoint, you, your, your odds of winning next year go down dramatically. So if the idea of like McClung saying, I want to play point guard, and Georgetown saying no, uh, you know, look, maybe maybe they are that stubborn. Other guys have now left too. But that, that, that would just – it would sort of breaks my brain from a logic standpoint. <laughs> but if it is true, then that says something as well. Um, so how about you know there there there's the foot injury and then that came on the heels of the eye injury, right? And that was this year. Then last year he had whatever it was. I mean that, that caused him to miss some games. I, I think he's missed 15 games in two years. I think I saw that somewhere earlier. I mean that's 25% of the games that Georgetown's had essentially. Um, is, is, is he an injury-prone kid? I mean, I, I, mean, I don't know. It, it seems like if he wants to point fingers at the way injuries were handled, I mean, you have to get injured first for, for it to be handled in any fashion. I, I, I think he deserves some credit to for fighting to, to play that game against Providence, and clearly something was off. Um, and I do think you're right, looking back at it, that it was very odd for him not to even come back to the bench or travel to, to the Big East. Um, yeah, I mean, look, hindsight's always twenty twenty. Y- you can go back and, and look at things and how he reacted and how the staff reacted to certain things and maybe have led us down this path, and maybe it was quite obvious. Um, it just seems to me that in conversations with you, Ben, like as two weeks ago, um, he's he's telling you that he's not going anywhere. You know, you, you didn't get any indication that, that, that he was going anywhere. Uh, Ewing saying the well, same thing to Andy Katz, and then here we are, you know, five days later, and McClung's looking for another another home. Well, I mean, like I said, I, I you know, in the first com- – in the one conversation that I had with him, I, you know, to me, it wasn't the idea of him going somewhere besides Georgetown. It didn't seem to be plausible for all the standard reasons, you know, sitting out the year, you know, he's going to be the best part of the team, you know, yada, yada, yada. Um, so it wasn't a big focus. And, I, you know, his answer in, in hindsight was slightly vague, but I didn't take too much about it. But I think we discussed last week, to me, based on my view of the situation, plus, you know, in, in, in talking to some folks and, and his agent spoke to me, I mean, like I, like I said then, what I wrote, I mean, to me, the tension was definitely up. I didn't necessarily say, I mean, I think Bobby and I talked earlier, you know, we both kind of wish on some level we had had, uh, you know, a little more guts to say he's going to leave. But just from a straight logic standpoint, 
was no, there was nothing to suggest that the, that the that that was a likely outcome. But did his did the odds increase? I, I think we said we said yes. So, um, you know, it, it, like today it didn't completely come out of nowhere for me. It wasn't like oh my lord, this really happened. It was more like wow, okay. So, uh, <laughs> so some of that smoke, you know, there was fire behind it, and obviously he went go. Oh. And obviously, you know, the bigger picture here is obviously McClung is the story of the day. But ultimately, the bigger picture, which I'm sure we'll get into, is what to make of this the, the program. I mean, so many guys, you know, like I said, there's different types of players that transfer. A, a Grayson Carter is one thing. A uh, uh, the Kinjo McClung, et cetera, is another. And to have all these guys leave is pretty, pretty jarring. And on top of the fact that, you know, they don't have much coming back. They haven't made the tournament since Ewing showed up, yada, yada. Uh, you know, it, it's uh, – I ultimately, you know, that's the bigger, I think that's the more interesting topic to some degree. The one that people can vent over is what the heck do you make of Georgetown right now? So let's just go back. So last year at this time, we would have been having a podcast if it existed talking about, wow, you know what? Georgetown, which is what a great class. They just placed three guys on the all fresh, on the all freshman Big East team. Akinjo was the player of the year. Um, as I'm sorry, it was the freshman of the year. You know, uh, I think McClung might have even gotten some votes for that, or some people might have seen him as in that position as well. And then as as sophomores, they combine to play 34 games, all three of them. And you know, once Akinjo left, which obviously it was after UNC Greensboro, another you know tough loss, bad loss, miserable loss to a mid major even if UNC Greensboro might have been good. And then, you know, let's look at what McClung did after that until he got hurt. I mean, you know, Akinjo had the keys to the car immediately, right? Day one, McClung was also starting. Akinjo leaves and McClung starts playing at a different level. And look at the shots he's getting. 21, Oklahoma State. 12, 16, 12, 19, 20, 17, 15, 14, 18, 19, 6. I mean... The idea, and that's one of the things, even though I said if he wants to be a point guard, I could maybe kind of see it, even though transferring is kind of weird to sit out a year. But what other high-profile program, and I have to imagine he's not going to want to go down a level, right? I know people are suggesting he goes down a level, and that would make sense. But I have a hard time believing, like Andrew said, Mac McClung, Instagram influencer, is going to take his talents to East Tennessee State, right? What? Who says that? There's a bunch of people. Of there's a bunch of people tweeting that if he actually wants to play point guard, and I agree. Do you think he can play point guard at a level at Georgetown is or better? I don't think so. I mean, look. I'll, I'll, one thing I will say this to, to these types of conversations that we all sort of just the forest or the tree things. This is a human being living his life. If he wants to go to school X, Y, or Z, you know, we all view it from a standpoint of well, how are you making the NCAA tournament? Why would you go away from big conference? Look, if he ultimately wanted to go to some place. I mean, I've had many people tell me over the years, in terms of looking for employment, focus more on your boss, not necessarily the job, because that person is going to have a lot of influence over your world. And and the same thing would be here. You could go to a bigger school, and the coach could be completely wrong for your situation. So, you know, let me not dismiss the the idea of East Tennessee State. But that said, like, to the degree, like last week, of like, is he likely to transfer? No, he's not, I mean, likely to go down a level. That doesn't make any sense. Like there are plenty of there are plenty of high major prof- profiles that don't have anybody who's good as he is. Well, but, but I, I think to to, Bobby, to Bobby's point is that he's not 
going to get the volume of shots that he would have at Georgetown. Um, he's not going to have the, the ball in his hands as much as he would have, would have at Georgetown. Um, well, maybe why, he, well, why do you say that though? Like, I mean, like, I mean, do, you don't think there's other schools in the Power Five conferences or the, or the equivalent of a Big East that, that that don't? I mean, not all. Some of those schools suck. He, he he could easily be the best player on a bunch of teams. I mean, don't quote me which ones. I haven't looked at a college basketball roster in a while. I'm saying there's plenty of teams in in power conference schools that are not good. He could definitely doesn't have to go down. The key is this: could he, if he really wants that, is there a coach out there who says, "Hey, look, I really will do this for you." Um, that that to me is the well, bigger thing than maybe it, the it, program. It, maybe it's because I, I kind of view him as a, a as a disruptive player. I don't think he's the kind of player that can come into a program and fit in with with a scheme. I think he's the kind of player that that needs to be the guy. He he needs to to and it's funny because I said the same thing about Akinjo, <laughs> and it it was true about Akinjo, and he left for whatever reason, and now you've got McClung doing the same thing, maybe for different reasons, but I don't see McClung fitting in with a program that already has a bunch of guys. Yes, maybe they have a, a hole at point guard that they need to fill, and a coach can get in McClung's ear and say, hey, you know, we need you to lead this offense, and if you follow this playbook, I'm going to get you to the league, and that's fine. Maybe he buys it, but I don't. that's not his game. He, he's, he's, he's not a point guard. And I, it's it's tough to just flip that switch. He needs to get his shots off. He needs those highlight reels. I mean, he's not he's just not a a pass first player. And if that is indeed going to be his his path to the next level, I just don't see it happening at a, at a high major. So, yeah. So look. So this kid wants to go to the NBA. All these guys do. One of the big ideas, I think, of having Patrick Ewing as your coach, an NBA Hall of Fame player, is that that's going to be one of your selling points, right? Like, hey, I played in the league for 15 years. I coached in the league for 15 years. Come to Georgetown. We put kids in the NBA. I can help you do that. And you literally had a kid, Omir, you're seven, transfer just like McClung after two years, after winning some all-conference accolades like McClung did. He transferred in to Georgetown to try and get to the NBA. And now you basically have a player transferring out of Georgetown that wants to get to the NBA, which I think is probably the most alarming thing going on here. Yep. Totally agree. I mean, I, I think the, the, the one guy, I, as a, the one thing Ewing really has left, <laughs> I mean, he, he, we, we don't, he doesn't have success to point to record wise as a coach. I mean, the program arguably is not in, better shape than it was when he took over. And I mean, you can debate that, I guess. You can erase, you, um, you can erase arguably. <laughs> <It's not. laughs> but, but he, he does have cachet and profile and influence with people in the NBA where he spent 15 years as an assistant. You would think that if someone had any NBA dreams or, or, or designs that one would rely on Ewing to make those connections, just like you just said, Ben, about, you know, rely on your, your boss, not, not the gig itself. I mean, Ewing is probably the best boss to have in that respect for someone who wants to go to the NBA. Um, so again, I, the kid is free to do whatever he wants. Ben totally agree with you. Uh, I just, I have a hard time figuring out why this is in his best interest. So, so this idea that Patrick Ewing, like you said, is maybe the best opportunity to go to the NBA. 
you know who might disagree with you on that? Is every NBA team who didn't hire him as a head coach. I mean, the no, reason he's no, a no, I'm, not, I'm not talking about I'm not talking about him being a head coach in the NBA, but he has no, you certainly have contacts in the NBA. All all, the, all those guys in the NBA that that he's been on a bench with speak volumes about him. You think there's a coach in the Big East who doesn't have big, big NBA contacts, substantial NBA contacts? They all do. Not as many. But my point is, yeah, but not, but not Patrick Ewing contacts. Dave Lightow has as much you know weight with with NBA guys as, as Ewing. But the, but my point is that weight never got him an NBA head coaching job. The NBA teams, all of them, essentially looked at him and decided that there were things about him that didn't mesh. I'm not saying this is not about whether he should coach the NBA. The point is that they looked at the situation and, and look, lots of guys don't get jobs. There's only 30 of those jobs in any given year. It's a commodity. People, you know, know, do everything they can to get those jobs. It's not easy. And maybe those NBA teams were all wrong, but they all looked at Patrick Ewing or not. Whoever looked at him decided he wasn't worthy. And when you look at how what's going on in Georgetown, you can kind of see why if he, what he did last week, whether that was a big factor or not in McClung's world, that was a massive mistake. One he 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 then essentially admitted uh, when he spoke to the Washington Post the, the, that, that that week. Um, you know, I Bobby and I often mention um, at media day. I time fly. That was this year, Bobby. Media day. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So like, I mean, I was sort of just sitting there. I had nothing really to ask. We're asking all the players that you know what have they figured out during the off season to improve on. So I said to you, and hey, so what did you figure out? What, what, what thing did you focus on? Whatever. He couldn't tell me anything. He took, you know, he, he really, he, he, he said he went to visit Mark Few and Gonzaga to learn his defense. He, he watched old tape with, with his old coach. Maybe he, he got into meditation, whatever it is. And his, what was his response? Basically, I don't have time he for that. He didn't have time. Right. Now, whether that's true or he just whatever, like that, that's not the type of, but I'm going to take him at his word. If that's, if that's true, people pay attention to that stuff. So the idea that, again, I thought that Patrick Ewing at times this year with Georgetown was resurrecting themselves in the middle of the year, big credit. He, I, I tweeted multiple times, if you told me Patrick Ewing was the biggest coach of the year right now, I'd be like, sure, I believe it. Because after what they had gone through, totally made sense. But it isn't just X's and O's. I mean, it's, it's the thing in total, and, you know, after three years combined with, like I said, NBA team after NBA team said, eh, I think we're going to go in another direction. You know, you have to ask, what is what is this, what is so appealing? Ed Cooley or any other coach in the Big East has put guys in the NBA, and they have they, they, they have the same connections and this, that, and the other. Ewing, the teacher, I could imagine, is interesting. He's obviously one of the best players ever. Um, but, you know, you can get a lot of these – a lot of the appeal – is sex appeal. It's not necessarily like real meat and potato stuff that you can't get anywhere else. I, I, we could argue this for a long time. I'm just saying that if, you know, general manager X with, you know, whatever team is in his office and gets a phone call come in and, you know, oh, Patrick Ewing's on line one or Mike Anderson's on line two, he's taking Patrick Ewing's call. Why? Well, I mean, like, why? <laughs> Patrick Ewing is a top 50 all-time NBA player, Hall of Famer. I mean, he, does Mike he Anderson has, have a kid that GM wants? That's what matters. If Mike Anderson has a kid saying, that that GM if, is interested if, if, in. It, let's, let's say for the sake of argument that both kids were, were the same. As, as appetizing to the NBA team 
You know, they, they, everything, everything equal. Ewing on line one, Mike Anderson on line two. There's no doubt that they're taking Ewing's call first. Now, maybe they're not I listening. Think, I think you're to, totally to, wrong. Well, maybe I am, but, you know, I'm, I guess big picture, the point is that one of the reasons that one of the reasons that I think kids would stay at Georgetown is to learn from Ewing and use his NBA experience to try to do whatever is necessary to get to the next level. I think Jesse Govan had a big leap, you know, his his final season as a Hoya. I think that was helped out by Ewing. Ewing did as much as he could. Even Derrickson. I mean, we know where where he is now. Obviously, there've been some issues, but. I think Ewing made made his game more pro-ready. I think Ewing was in the process of making McClung's game more pro-ready. I think McClung showed improvement doing things that NBA teams want to see this year. I'm not sure. I don't know what happens to him next. I really don't. I, I, I wish him nothing but the best. I just think he's a volume scorer. And, you know, could, could he ultimately make the end of some team's bench as a uh, – you know, as as an energy player that provides some highlight reel dunks and you know, some some scrappy plays and gets the crowd revved up. Sure, I just I think that his path to development though was 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 made much easier at Georgetown than than wherever he'll find it. So, so friend friend of the pod from uh, Pod Save America, Dan Pfeiffer. So he said, you know, basically we're back to square one with Ewing, which you could have probably said before today, right? You know, assuming there's a season next year, even with McClung, I'm sorry, yeah, even even with McClung, you're probably back to square one. Uh, I chimed in and I said, are, you know, are are you actually back to square one, or is it is it square one minus X? You know, I don't see a Govan or a Derrickson on this roster. Just you know, <laughs> what happened in November. And obviously, it kind of ends today. Whatever the whatever happened with the off the court stuff, and then maybe a power struggle between Akinjo and McClung, and you lose both of them somehow, which is uh, just amazingly bad. You know, assuming there's a season, where is Georgetown going into year four of Patrick Ewing? I mean, I, I, I think I, I think they're worse off than they were when he got here. Right now. Yeah, I, I would tend to agree with that. I think when, at least at the time when he took the job, there was an, an, a, a renewed excitement around the program. Um, yeah. That's gone. It's, it's worse. Now there's, a, there, now there's a cloud over the program. Uh, I think the, the only really reason for excitement as a fan is that, okay, now you've really scrubbed it clean. <laughs> now you, know, you tried with your, your original group of guys, that didn't work. So now let's see what, what what you can do. And so this year is going to be very telling. I mean, if the team is, is competitive and maybe pulls off a few upsets, then I guess that's viewed as a success. I certainly don't think they have the talent to do much more than that. Um, and then maybe that lands you some other kids in 2021, and then you're on your way again. But I would agree. I think the program is in a much more difficult position now than it was when he first came in because there really isn't any excitement anymore. And it flipped um, so know, fast. 
Yeah, I know. I mean, I mean, the fact that they were recovered from what all those guys leaving at the beginning of the year to have such a successful middle of the season and be in position, you know, on multiple fronts to, you know, make the tournament, you know, obviously, <laughs> you know, injuries and pandemic aside, like they were in a good position. That, that said so much about the program, about Ewing, um, the type of players he had, what he was getting them to do. I mean, you know, we, we talked all year about the Jagan Mosley's playing hard, 40 minutes, literally playing 40 minutes hard. There were so many of those games where there's like, come on, no chance Georgetown could even compete in this game, and they did. And you have to give you know Ewing a lot of credit for that. Um, I, I think if, if McClone comes back, I know there would be some weird fits with him and Blair. And, you know, we don't know how this new kid would play in Wahab. It looks interesting, but, you know, until we see it for sure, it's hard to know. But I kind of thought they had enough of a five to be like, okay, I think there's enough here to be potentially interesting puncher's chance to win some, some, some games here and there on the road, you know, whatever. But, you know, if the freshmen are interesting, you know, again, I haven't seen them, so don't know. But, you know, typically one or two guys step up. You know, okay, but losing losing McClung, while I agree completely with he's, you know, not not typically a guy, the type of player you may want as your best player on your team, he could score. And, you know, ultimately, uh, last I checked, you got to outscore the other guy, and he could get 20 a game when uh, – He's right. So yeah, I mean, I, I think they weren't. I don't know if it was all the way back to square one. If he came, if he stayed, now definitely. And it's not just because what they have for next year, but it is the conversation that we're having. What is happening with Georgetown? And the fact that next year looks like what it looks like. Again, things could change. But if they if they project if the season plays out the way we and others are going to assume, then that's four years in a row, no tournament, and without really even much hope during that whole four years. I mean, it's one thing to struggle. That happens. He, he he was coming from the NBA, needed a minute to adjust. That first year certainly had a lot of that element. But, you know, you got to show stepping stones along the way. And, you know, it's not good enough to just say, hey, in January we had some good games because, obviously, they, they took major steps uh, major steps back uh, at this point. So, so yeah, obviously. I mean, so we've got one scholarship now open. <laughs> yeah, let's go uh, back to that. I mean, I mean, so what if we turn around and maybe we land this Cisse kid? I mean, I know that chances are probably zero given the, the competition, but you, does that certainly change things dramatically as far as everyone's outlook? Yeah, as, well, I think if any, if any of these, you know, well, forget that. If any of the freshmen they have turn into something that none of us expect, I mean, you know that that happens. I mean, uh, you know. You know, then all of a sudden things do look a lot differently. We're only just talking about projections. If Wahab makes a Murray Hibbert-like leap, you know, where he goes from, oh, that's kind of an interesting project to, oh, snap, this guy is like a legitimate double-double threat, whatever. Like, you know, then who knows? But you know, maybe Pickett finally uh, looks the part. But I just say based on projections, it's and you know, even beyond that, just the way things are going with all these guys leaving is the uh, is the trouble. So, we talked about it earlier. Ben mentioned it last week. He already mentioned it today. Uh, you know, just about the different kind of transfers. And, you know, there's the big difference, like you said, between losing Grace on Carter because he feels he should be playing more, which, you know, those kids should always try and leave and figure out a spot for them, to losing, and since this is a not suitable for family version of Kente Corner, kind of your holy shit transfers. And I would say that they had three of them this year right? You have three of those guys like, oh shit. And, you know, 
going back, you know, just say to the turn of the century, 2000, just trying to think of players that fit that mold. I mean, yeah, a ton of guys transferred under JT3. Like every program gets that. Just but So looking back to him, I'd say Vernon Macklin, is that kind of the only one that fits that, you know, is that is that kind of the only person that fits that? Maybe, I guess, Isaac Copeland as well um, after a couple games. Um, but they had three this year. And but so, and yeah. Also, oh, sorry. I was going to say also, and again, my, I don't remember what happened yesterday, but all those guys, when they left, it wasn't like, well, now what? Now they're screwed. Like, they had – I mean, Macklin left in part because they had other guys sort of in his spot. Copeland – you know, when he left, I mean, Georgetown obviously wasn't great, but then afterwards, but like, it wasn't like because Copeland left all of a sudden they were, they were hosed. I mean, you know, they only have, they just only have a handful of guys coming back um, that we, that we know anything about. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, even, even the oh shit transfers can be all relative to the situation. Some guys transfer and you're like, oh no, this team is screwed. And someone's like, oh, well, that sucks. Would have been great now instead of a nine man rotation, we're down to eight, but we still have guys who are pretty good. So, yeah, so Macklin basically leaves because Monroe's coming, um, you know, both both five-star guys. So, yeah, if if, if McClung was leaving because, the, you know, Georgetown had signed R.J. Davis and he decided, you know what, maybe I should go somewhere else. Um, that's not what happened. Uh, you know, um, I have, you know, there was, you had, in retrospect, I suppose Drell Benneman kind of became like that because he ended up being so good at Towson. But you, they haven't really had this kind of a, in such a short span, just guys leaving where you're like, how do you recover from this? And that's not even including Terrence Williams after seeing what was going on, being like, yeah, you know, I think I'm probably going to open this up again. Um, Which, like you said, once the players left last year, the guys that stayed were very competitive, um, you know, impossible not to root for, for for, uh, Georgetown fans. But, you know, heading into year four, when you're kind of just like, well, the guys that do stay, they play really hard. That's kind of the biggest thing that's going on right now. And I know my mentions were just blowing up. It was not very positive. And there's not a whole lot to say other than they are bringing in a big freshman class, like Ben said. Some of these guys, you know, usually, and they're going to have to play because there's just a sheer a sheer number standpoint. Um, there's some pretty interesting players in Sibley and Beard and Clark and, you know, Berger and Harris out of nowhere. We have no idea what these guys are like. These are kind of like, you know, where did these guys come from? But that's when you sort of look back at like going into year four. If there is a year four, it's just like, wow, like the last three years went really quick and man, not a whole lot's happened. Chudier Bile. I mean, <laughs> I mean, I've never heard of him. He's probably going to start for us next, next season. Right. Well, I mean, he at least has played college basketball before, but yes. Um, you know you know what I'm saying? And, and yeah. this, this kid, the, the Juco kid who has us in his final two, uh, Rutherford, I mean, I guess now we do have a chance with him. It's us or, or FSU. Yeah. Um, he's supposed to be good at, on the Juco level. Uh, I mean, so is Jonathan Mulmore. I mean, after, after McClung announces his, uh, his transfer, I just threw out a, a quick Twitter poll earlier earlier. Are you satisfied with the direction of the Georgetown basketball program? So seven hours ago, we've got over 1,600 votes. 81% no, need to start over. 19% yes on the right track. Well, well let me – Go on, Ben. Uh, sorry, I was, 
I'm looking at, well, and to, to the point of the program being on the right track, you know, if you said, okay, well, then what's wrong? Obviously, people typically point to the coach in some capacity, right? Ewing is the face of the program in college basketball. Coach is the general manager as well. He has incredible power for, for all kinds of things, right? But, you know, Ewing only got here 10 minutes ago, and, and, and you know, they people decided JT3 needed to go because things, what they, people surely said at that moment things weren't going in the right direction. And then they hired – Ewing, who, again, there have been times last year where I thought he was doing a really good job. But, you know, when you mentioned that people were excited about it, the result of when he hired, there was also a big faction that said, are you serious? You're just going to hire somebody else connected to this program over and over again? They can't ever consider somebody from outside the program? And so, Andrew, so my question sort of for you is, as a guy who's an alum, who obviously throughout the, your time at Casual Hoya, you clearly have been connected to people over there. At what point, like I go through this with the Redskins, when people want to complain about Bruce Allen or whoever the, whoever's the GM or the coach, I'm always like, you know, remember one guy has been there the whole time, only one guy, that's the owner. At some point you have to stop blaming the people who are employed and look at the people who do the hiring. As somebody who, who talks to people who's gone through this, you know, what, what, at what point does the attention, if there is to be blame, I'm not saying there is, if there is, goes that way? Because whether, you know, uh, at some point Ewing is only an employee. No doubt. I mean, I, I think one of the, the big criticisms of the whole JT3 era was, you know, people talk about this a lot, is, you know, the influence of, of JT2 over everything um, and his presence at practices and, you know, some, some comments he was making to some of the players. I know he got on Bradley Hayes a lot, you know, back in the day. Um Georgetown is in a really tough spot and it's really unique to Georgetown. It's not the kind of easy decision where a, pr a president or an, or an athletic director really, uh, you know, sees an underperforming program and makes a change. It, it's not that way at Georgetown. Lee Reed, I, I think he's a wonderful guy. And I think he's a really, really great athletic director. If you look at almost every other sport at the school, maybe football aside, but they've shown tremendous improvement. I mean, the soccer team is national champions. I mean, Lee Reed knows how to put together winning programs. He knows, he knows what to do. He has absolutely nothing to do with basketball. Um, that goes back to the Thompson influence, uh, President DeJoya. I, I, I agree with you 100%, Ben. I think ultimately this falls on something greater than whoever the head coach is, and I'm not sure if there's a solution – for Georgetown, um, or an easy one, put it that way. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm with you. I mean, I, I don't, I don't think this is easy. I'm sure I've said this on some podcast with Bobby um, several years ago when, when I used to, uh, when, when the uh, people there used to invite media to the end of end of season uh, dinners. It's been a minute. Um, <laughs> the uh, I can't remember which one it was, but they, you know, Jack DeJoy gets up there, he gives a speech, yada yada yada, and he explains. Or maybe this might actually—I take it back. It might not have been the end of the year, end of season. It might have been when John Thompson they honored John Thompson Jr. What was it like? Bob was like his some big ceremony for him a few years ago. Uh, yeah. Uh, I, whatever he was being honored, I can't remember for the anniversary or in any event. And Jack DeJoy explains the origins of their relationship. That when he was a student at Georgetown, he was starting some uh, organization on campus, I want to say, with, like, students for the basketball team or something. 
it was some some group. Don't quote me on that part. And that basically the only person that showed up was the, the new basketball coach, John Thompson. From that came a relationship, and you could tell based on that the way he was tell, talking to him that it was beyond, you know, it, it was beyond uh, employer employee at the point. And obviously, John Thompson Jr. is a is a freaking legend. The building should be named after him as it is. You know, whatever he wants to do, that that dude is, you know. Every time he talks to to me, it feels like you know God is talking to me. So I totally get it. But like, if you have a job where you're the president of the school, you have to at some point, at, you know, what's what are we doing here? And, and then, look, I you know I'm not saying John Thompson Jr. doing anything, but the influence seems apparent at a minimum to not just to us, but to people who want those who were interested in that job when it was open. So you know, what's the deal? And also remind me of this, Andrew. When JT3 was actually fired, typically when a college coach is fired, it's the, it's the AD or the school president doing that. Wasn't the deal here that there was a board who did it because there was inaction essentially happening elsewhere? There was a board of trustees vote, yeah. Right. So I don't remember. I don't know the exact Georgetown hierarchy, so maybe I'm wrong on that. But, like, it wasn't the standard – you know, somebody over there decided they needed to do something, but it wasn't the people who you would assume would do yeah, it. Yeah, I, I doubt the board of trustees is firing the golf coach, right? <laughs> You'd assume so, yeah. I, I don't know. Which was the coach that got in trouble for that whole uh, scandal last I year? I think wasn't tennis. The golf coach? Oh, tennis. Right, right. tennis. Yeah. It might have been tennis. No, it just – another thing, too. Do you remember and... – do you remember – Ben do you, and, and Bobby, do you remember the name Denzel Hosh? Yes. Yeah, yeah, that was the that was that the was kid like the army claimed, kid that was like twenty seven years old or something. <laughs> yeah, they that claimed that he was getting that he was getting a uh, uh, yeah he was going to Georgetown. Yes, I remember talking to Ben that day. Right. Was like, what in the world is going on right now? Like, <laughs> right, and so that apparently was JT two, like essentially extending offers to a kid, extending an offer to a kid that the <laughs> really had no intention of, of bringing on. Um, and I just remembered that that whole situation was so weird because maybe we had like, it, it was, we, we needed a guard and they were, we were recruiting Mulmore at the time. And then this Hosh stuff came out. Yeah. Um, and we're like, yeah, thanks, but no thanks, buddy. Um, and then Mulmore ultimately committed. Uh, it's just that whole thing was was bizarre, and I guess I, I bring that up only to to highlight the kind of influence that that he had on on, on all aspects of the program under JT three. You know, not just sitting in a corner of practice, but you know, being an active vocal member of practice and even doing some some recruiting behind the scenes. Apparently, so I don't think in two thousand sixteen. I think it was October dedication of the Thompson Center. If you had come from the if you'd come from 2020, hopefully you you wouldn't have, you know, hopefully uh it would have been before the pandemic. But you would have come to me like, you know what? They just got this building that everyone said this is what you need to compete with the Joneses. This is it. Like this facilities, facilities, facilities. Georgetown doesn't have facilities. Now they can play with the big boys. And if you told me from that point on what has happened since I would have bet my entire portfolio against that. You know, no local recruits. There's a there's a coaching change. Patrick Ewing comes in. He has a entertaining style of offense. You, everyone said the Princeton you couldn't get guards. 
Well, this is a guard friendly offense that you've got your two lead ball handlers or your, you know, your, your, your two high usage guys just quit on the team. One during a season, one after it, I, I wouldn't have believed you. I, this is where they are. And I know, you know, Andrew, we've talked about this a lot, Ben, just between the facilities and the change in style of play, those were two things that were always negatively used against Georgetown, why they stopped getting McDonald's All-Americans. They stopped getting five-star recruits. And neither of those things have helped. How surprising is that? Yeah. No, it's a, it's a bad scene, man. I mean, there's, there's no doubt. Uh, the, the facilities, as well as JT2's influence at the time, were certainly things that opposing schools used against us in recruiting. I've heard that from other coaches that I've spoken to who were recruiting similar players at the time. Um, the Thompson Center is awesome. It's, it's, it's a great facility. You know, we've yeah. all been there. It's, it's, it's extremely impressive. You, you'd think at this point it would have netted some higher or higher profile players. Um, it hasn't. Now, that's not to say it hasn't been a success, I mean, clearly the, the team is practicing in, in a better facility it's, 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 it's than McDonough, which, which isn't difficult. But I, I do think that the school and the program had higher hopes for, for what it would deliver. And I guess in the grand scheme of things, it, it hasn't been that long, right? I mean, what, four years? I think in college basketball it has. Like, you can, you can, you can flip something pretty yeah. quick. You've gone, yeah. I think the real... You've gone through a full recruiting class at this point, right? So... Yeah, and I mean, I really, I, I think that the major issue that they really needed to focus on was not so much the, the the practice facility, but really the place where the team plays their games, and and that's a whole other discussion, and that that I think is a huge problem for the program moving forward. I could, couldn't agree more with that aspect, and that's one though. It's, it's hard to see the fit, but yes, that that one. The only way to literally, I think, solve that one is to win and get people to come back. In, in 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 passionate you know with passion and and, and be excited but um uh yeah no I mean the, the, it is crazy right the Thompson Center I remember the first time I saw it you're like all right Georgetown's back in you know back in the mix here and you know you know I mean look if we're if we're bemoaning the loss of McClung and 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 Akinjo and LeBlanc um you know and and the, and the Terrence Williams kid I mean obviously. To a degree, I mean, I know those guys are not necessarily five-star recruits, but like you know, good players that that were you know helpful and it could be helpful. So you know, to whatever degree, you know, these things seem to help. Um, and obviously, you know, just to make sure it's clear, like the allure of viewing is understandable. I totally get it. Um, you put all that together, and it makes for a nice package. On top of the fact it's Washington D.C., on top of the fact that Georgetown is the program that it is. Um, which, by the way, I do think is also part of the problem. Um, I think there are people over there who still act like Georgetown is that program when they're not. Um, that, that, right. they, that they that they still feel that they are above it all. They, they still view themselves as this national program when, on very level, very important levels, they need they, they ignore the local uh, angles. As somebody who's been in the media and dealt with them, um, I promise you that is true. They've told me that when I <laughs> in conversations. And, you know, it's that level of, if you want to, maybe I'll go as far as to call it arrogance at times, that permeates in all these ways um, as, 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 as well. doesn't mean that anything I just said is why any of these guys are transferring, but there is a, a certain level of, 
you know, hey, you know, we are Georgetown. But, yeah, that was 19-something else. That wasn't 2020. And, uh, you know, I'm not saying they can't get there, but not there right now. Yeah, and, and you know, the, the, the loss of McClung, to me, doesn't really hurt so much. The, the on-the-court impact, that's fine. But for me, it's really what his departure symbolizes as a whole and kind of the black eye it puts on the program that I think is going to be really difficult for the fan base to recover from. I mean, the, the wins and losses, that stuff comes and goes. I mean, sure, we're a better team with McClung, but we probably weren't going anywhere anyway. But big picture, it really highlights a lot of the issues with, with the program. And maybe at the end of the day, it's a good thing because now people may with importance and swing might be taking a closer look at what's going on, um, putting the program under a magnifying glass, but um, it, it's not sustainable. It's not something that I think the fan base should tolerate. And I, and when I say fan base, it certainly is a dwindling one at that. I mean, I, it, it's certainly less of a passionate fan base than it was, you know, back in 2013, 2014 even. So I believe Ewing start off with a five-year contract. So this would be the season where he gets the extension because you don't let – I mean, I know the Redskins do, but this is uh, – you don't let coaches coach in the final year of a contract, right? So we all assume Ewing's getting an extension this season? I just don't even know how that works with Georgetown. You know, we, we never even really knew what JT3's deal was, right? I mean, I would, would, would that be something that you could get in, like, some sort of FOIA request? I think because they're private, I don't think that 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 goes with yeah, them. I, I, I know no that idea. when they always, I know when they when they come out of lists of you know how much the schools are, you know how much the coaches at the private schools are making. It's usually data from like two or three years prior. Um, mm-hmm. as as far as the contracts, I believe at the time it was reported to be a five year deal. So you know, I feel like we always sort of found out. Maybe Ben can speak to this more when JT three got extensions that always made it in the news somehow. But I don't, I don't think that you know if if it was you know Georgetown State University, you could you could find out. But I, you know, I, I think being a private school, you you cannot. There was a, a multi year contract when he took the job. Okay, I thought it was five years. Whatever that means. Do we want to take any guesses about where uh, McClung ends up? Andrew, do you not care? I'm actually looking at this. I'm seeing somewhere that it might have been a six-year deal. Oh. Um, It's an ESPN article back when he was hired, and everyone was writing such positive things about the program. Uh, Let's see. By by the way, I I do think that's going to be one thing that will be interesting out of this. Like, as somebody who does what I do, I do pay attention because Ewing has been doing a lot of interviews lately. And most of them, of course, have been about the Michael Jordan stuff. So it's not exactly, you know, a grill kind of interview. And, you know, it's playful. And, you know, if they turn to Georgetown, it's sort of, hey, you know, what's going on? But he gets a very big pass for the most part. I think people like Jeff Goodman, who I know got criticized a few years ago for his thoughts on Georgetown. But, like, he's one of the few national guys who does seem – to own up to what Georgetown, the reality is, he's not looking at the name on the front of the jersey. He's looking at the record and the lack of postseason. But for the most part, Ewing gets a large free pass because I'm sure anybody who talks to him is like, holy crap, I'm talking to Patrick Ewing and doesn't want to 
you know, piss off that guy for future use or just because they don't want to have that interaction. It'll be interesting to see what happens now, though, because, it's, you know, again, they, 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 they weathered some tough times during the season when all these guys left, but then they did a good job, and you can easily give them a pass to the end of the year because of the injuries, assuming you were you know, paying attention. But, you know, this is harder. It's harder now, and then next year it'll be even harder. So uh, it'll be interesting to see do, at some point does the national media start to view Georgetown as a team that simply hasn't made the tournament in a while rather than, wow, Patrick Ewing is back at his alma mater. That's really cool. Let's see what he can do. Yeah, I think as far as that goes, I think their, their play on the court this year is going to be a, a big factor there. Again, if they're spunky and competitive and pull a couple upsets, then it's going to be, oh, this guy, you know, Ewing can clearly coach. Now it's just a matter of getting more talent. Um, if it goes the other way and we, we get blown out and whatnot, I, I think the you're kind of getting close to the end of the tunnel. So, McClung predictions? No. <laughs> uh, I'll, I'll go with, you said this to me earlier, so let me not steal it, and I saw some people, I guess, on Twitter make this claim. I think both from a high major aspect and also geography relative to his home in Virginia that the University of Tennessee makes some sense. They've had a lot of guards who have had, you know, sort of like, uh, you know, offensive-minded guys and, you know, they're on the right pack. I don't know anything about their roster, so I could be massively wrong on that. That's not a real prediction. But, you know, that, that makes as much sense um, as anything else. Well, I guess let me ask in a different um, way. What, Andrew, what would be the worst place if you saw Mac McClung just committed to X other than Syracuse? <laughs> the obvious, the obvious answer that comes to my mind is Duke, but because he, he fit in so well there and right. really become a, a topic of national conversation. And although I, I would be entertained by it, um, you know, I, I wouldn't want him to see, see him go to Maryland. I, I saw that out there just because that, that's the, that's where my brain went. I mean, Duke just seems like, as, as you know, Duke seems like oh, just too too high. And, and to your point about you know, I think that at that level, his 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 game, his flaws become a little more heightened. But at Maryland, you know, Maryland's obviously been you know you know would have been a, a Final Four contender this year, but they did just lose uh, you know Anthony Cowan and you know you, you know whatever. Uh, yeah, that that to me, if I was a Georgetown fan, that one beyond Syracuse would be a dagger. He's literally in the same media market. And uh, yeah, that that would be a rough one. It would be rough. Because Maryland simply has Maryland simply has been better the last several years. So go, yeah. him going there would be like to leave Georgetown to go to Maryland. That would be rough. I think what I'm rooting for, just because it would be so odd to watch, is for him to end up at UVA. Okay, he's a Virginia guy. It's a state school. Obviously, Blacksburg is a lot closer to Gate City, but the idea of him going there given how they play, I think for me would be the most <laughs> interesting, interesting spot for him, for him to land. I'm uh, just skimming this. Yeah. It looks like according to this ESPN article, yeah. A, a university gave him a rare six year contract to restore its basketball glory. Oh, well I'm way off. He has, we don't have to worry about contract extensions until the following, the following season, six years. Wow. But uh, to, to yeah. your point of how that would be funny, if you're talking fit, like Virginia might rank last of my schools for what I know. makes sense. 
that's why that's why I think that would be so crazy. Like a team that you know is winning games like fifty to forty eight, and you know known for defense. Uh, you know, um, I don't think it would make a lot of sense at Syracuse. I don't think he'd be. He's not exactly hard to shoot over in that in that two three zone. Uh, I do think, and I know Ben completely shot me down, and I don't know if you were totally understanding my point was that. If he really wants to play point guard somewhere, I think it has to be a level lower. You know, I don't think he's going to, but I think that would make more sense. I just, I don't think he's going to get a better situation than he had at Georgetown at the same level. So if he really wanted the point guard. I actually think there's a good chance he doesn't play college basketball again. Again, I don't see how he gets the waiver. To play immediately, I don't think that makes any sense. He's, he's transferring on his own volition. There wasn't a head coaching change. There's no hardship, unless he can come up with some documentation that they treated his injury incorrectly, and that's why he's got to transfer. That 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 could be true. Um, you know who would, you know who would probably away. be able to. You know what school could probably be, get him that that waiver? Georgetown. Georgetown. Georgetown's been really good over here. The Josh Smiths of the world. You're like, wait, what? How did they pull this off? How's this guy playing? <laughs> right. Well, they, they they couldn't get one for year seven a couple of years ago. I, I thought that they had a chance. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, so if, if he doesn't get a waiver to play immediately, then really what's his incentive? To, what's he going to do? He's going to sit a year, play another year, and then jump to the pros? Or is he just going to, well, you know, go a, a Jesus well, Dealey route? I, I, th- I, I think he's a four-year college player. I don't – I mean, all this – if he if he's serious about playing point guard, then staying in college is absolutely the way to go. He 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 gets to practice one, next year on his own, focus completely on reshaping his game without it being in a game in game setting, and then he goes in having prepared himself for that team. He goes in and and then there's even another year after that. Like just because we're used to the one and done stuff, that's not relevant to if you actually want to get your game straightened out I mean stay so like he, if, if you were actually trying to reshape your game and I don't know if it's feasible staying the three years somewhere else actually makes the most sense that's fair I mean I, I think certainly if you're asking for a prediction as to you know where he ends up yeah he may commit to a Tennessee he may commit to wherever I, I would not be surprised though if he actually doesn't play for wherever he commits. Remember, Georgetown wasn't his first school. You know, he was he was originally a Rutgers uh, commitment commit before he decommitted from Rutgers. So this isn't his first go around with with changing schools. Uh, I'm just not sure where the where the cycle ends for him. You know, Bobby, if you if you if your if your time traveler landed in a situation two or three years ago and 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 somebody said. Hey, by the way, if he and he says, "Hey, by the way, uh, <laughs> th- th- this kid's going to transfer from Rutgers to Georgetown, and will make a big mistake." <laughs> like, like in terms of like the playing for the better program, and this, you'd be like, "Yeah, okay, pal, whatever." Well, you know, I I would say one of my good friends gave me advice that it's more about your boss, not the company, and. Uh, <laughs> I <heard that>. I, <laughs> Okay. Um, I, you by, know. By the way, I'm not in charge of this podcast, but this is the second one in a row I've done where we've asked people for questions and then not taken them. Or am I wrong on that? Well, I mean, I think a lot of the questions we've really covered. Um, I'm just saying, as a, as a former podcast host, people like hearing their at 
Hoya seventy four asked. That's that's how I that's my experience. Okay, um, I'm happy to scroll through. Someone says, <laughs> "No, he literally said uh, say say they're at." <laughs> yeah, I know. I'm scrolling through here, catching me off guard. One would think that if someone were to address the Twitter questions, that one would have them at the ready. Okay, um, so well, you can. Look, I've got you, one. You can. Right. Okay. Uh, our, our buddy uh, at No Escalators, the, the UConn blog, says, is it bad to lose three guys who were on the all-Big East freshman team before they're juniors? Uh, yes. I, I would say only, you know, if if they all went pro, then, you know, you're running a Kentucky-style operation. So that's actually great. That did not happen. They all transferred. If you could have any one uh, of them back, you could make amends, you could fix everything. If you could have any one of the three back, who would you pick? Kinjo. Even though your team has 18 point guards next year or whatever? Well, they wouldn't have recruited all those guys. No, I'm saying right now, though. But, yeah, okay, yeah, okay fine. It doesn't matter. Kinjo. Well, I, I mean, what what was the big problem? For, at the end of JT3, you know, obviously he had the Tremont Waters thing dangling out there. But the big thing was, like, oh, my God, like, they need a point guard. They need a point guard. Then Ewing comes in. You know, what do they have? They have Mulmore. They have Mosley. You know, Akinjo was a game changer, it seemed, right? All right, let me let me go to these questions, though. We'll do kind of a rapid-fire thing. Uh, at Philly Hoyas says, does anyone want to take over for me? This blog and my posts are jinxed. I think this is in reaction to his post hours earlier where he talked about Georgetown's complete roster for the season, and then it changed drastically. Um no, no one wants to take over. You're doing a great job. Uh, at Florida Hoya, how do you see the incoming recruits fitting into Jamion Christian's system? No reason at all. Why do you ask? Bobby, I know you uh, you're, you were a big proponent of Christian back in the day when the, the job opened. That w- Well, you know, my point at, in that moment was, how did Georgetown basketball become a thing? They took a chance on John Thompson Jr. So it's like, okay, time to reinvent the wheel. Take a chance on a young coach. And, you know from the Shaka tree, a young guy who's been successful. Um, I'll have to break down the film for uh, John. At Dotson C, does any coach in America survive this ongoing disaster other than Patrick Ewing? Sam? So, uh, sorry, say that again. I lost it for a second. <laughs> does any coach in America, in America survive this ongoing disaster other than Patrick Ewing? Yeah, I mean, look, it it is only year three, like, in general. Like, you know, you would think on some base level for a college coach, you'd want to get through a full recruiting cycle. Uh, granted, these guys are leaving. But, I mean, you know, get get through four years. So, uh, you know, you know there, you know, there is a little bit of scandal with what happened at the beginning of the year. By the way, like, to that point, you know, we as we as outsiders kind of moved on with that, but I would be curious to know what Georgetown uncovered, the university uncovered with that whole process, what actually did happen with the students. How is it that they handled that process such that like the names of Akinjo got lumped in with the other guys who were being accused of something, whether that was, you know, whatever was, was shown to be there. That was weird. Like I would be curious to know did what, what, what internal thoughts did Georgetown learn from that process? Uh, but in any event, yeah, I think the answer is yes. I, I think, a lot of coaches would definitely not rate by any stretch of the imagination, as we've discussed, but it's only three years. 
there were a lot of signs this year of progress while it was happening. The fact that the kids were playing hard for the coach says something they didn't bail on him, even when they had a hundred injuries and other things. So, yeah, I think I think other coaches survived this uh, as well. And, and I think, like I said, I, I'm not, regardless of anything else being said here, I'm not advocating for Patrick Ewing to lose his job or anything like that. I, you know, I, I think three years is too early. And there were, there were positives to take out of this season, even though right now, from a wins and losses perspective, it's hard to, to see them right now. At Hoya Breakdown, when will you tell me about the rabbits, Casual? I like this one. This is a, a Mice and Men reference. Um, I guess I'm supposed to respond by saying that uh, <laughs> I think it's going to be okay. Georgetown is going to be great again. We'll make the Final Four in no time. Um, before shooting you in the head or something like that. Um, <laughs> at Policy Ben, why is everything terrible and when will it get better? You never answer. Bobby? It's going to happen. Uh, it's going to happen next year. At Skip underscore 1951, what happens first? Patrick let go or the Hoyas make the NCAA tournament? Ben? Uh boy. Well, I I I won't go with let go, but I would say like if I say Patrick Ewing is no longer the coach or the tournament, man, I, I'm gonna say he's no longer the coach. Um, you know, I, I again, I I think look, he Pat, the fact that Patrick Ewing toiled away for years as an NBA assistant when he has all that fame and all that money says a lot about what he what he wants to do with his profession post playing. I mean that that says a lot about a guy at that level grinding it out. Um, you know, all those years, and uh, you know, he's he was he he des- he deserved a head coaching job just in terms of the work ethic. I'm not saying he should deserve this one, but just you know, he should. It's it's he he needs opportunity. So I don't see him walking away soon. But like that said, man, I mean, at what point does he look at this and think, you know, what am I doing here? Like, what 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 is well, my? I tr- I tried. I mean, you know, I'm not. I, I, it's easy to compare it to Mullen at St. John's, but obviously, what was he four years? Three yeah. or four years? Well, was four. So, 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 so one, of the other, point, one of the other questions was, was at rocks underscore Wyatt. What are the years? Uh, I'm sorry. Will, will Ewing does, – does make it Ewing through – does Ewing make it through his contract? That's at Frustrated Hoya, rather. That's six um, years. But, but, right. So I think that's what you were kind of getting at, Ben. I mean, so six years, you think he, he makes it six years? Uh, you know, I – I, I'm, I'm hesitant to give a real answer because I, I lack guts, but I, I'll say no. But 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 that's just like I'm just I'm purely looking at it like man for him, with, you know, he could go live on a beach for the rest of his life. At what point does he say that I've had enough? But again, he this is a guy who could have done that for his entire NBA coaching career, and yet he was the assistant working with guys on the side nobody's paying attention to. So he clearly has it in him to do this. But uh, I'll say no just to give an answer that he doesn't make it to the contract. Shout out to this this one. I thought this was pretty clever. At Mike Carlo LA. My question is, who at the athletic department had the foresight to anticipate the COVID-19 pandemic four years ago and then developed a four-season-long pilot of CDC-compliant social distancing at Hoya home games? Well played. Well played there. Um, uh who on campus has the stones to fire Ewing and withstand the inevitable wrath of JT Jr.? I don't know if there's anyone on campus who has the stones to do that, to be honest. Um, 
Get, getting back to Why the should? question that Ben just answered, and this might have yeah. changed because of COVID, but you know, as far as like Ewing keeping going, and he's got this work ethic, and he obviously loves coaching. He's been doing it forever. The one thing that we're never going to know is, yeah. So it's getting frustrating, but you know, at what point do you look around and say, "Hey, maybe I need to do things differently with my staff"? And I think that I mean, I was like I said, they all seem like nice guys. I, I don't want anyone to lose their job, but you know, you sort of wonder at what point does, you know, you start moving stuff around and stuff like that usually happens at the final four. There's a lot of hirings, a lot of, you know, switching of staffs. And that's the one thing that probably out of this pandemic is my guess is just, you know, to have the bad defense, to not have the local recruiting at some point, I think you, that would be the first step before I think Ewing would even consider he doesn't want to do this anymore. You know what I mean? Yeah. I think I think that's reasonable. How long Go have ahead, you ben. talked to this one? It's been 25 been minutes. It's been, a, no, how been long over an hour. Okay. How, however long we talk, if you only listen to one part of this from me, they, they're saying smart things. But if you only listen to one thing from me, it's this. It goes back to the point when I, the question I asked Ewing, what did he learn? And he he basically did, you know brushed off the question. If I, if, if I go to a Georgetown media uh, day next year, and ask the same question, and he gives the same response, you can give it up. He needs to, at some point, we need to see proof. And I know he's not the guy who's maybe going to sit on the couch and, and, and expose himself, although he's been pretty loose, it feels like, in some of these interviews over the last few weeks, which have been kind of fun to watch. I couldn't help but laugh the way that you said that, by the way. Wow, what did I say? <laughs> Nothing. Just keep going. <laughs> uh, but, like, I, where's the level of introspection? Okay, we can we can we can all you know we can dismiss on McClung blah blah. We we have other guys. You can do that all day long, but there's a lot of things going on here. At some point, whether it's the changing the coaching staff, how we're dealing with the players, uh, whatever recruiting, whatever it is, where's the change? At some point, you have to look at the situation and think to yourself, hey, this hasn't worked exactly as I would want. Let's make a change. By the way, you know who makes changes? Everybody. Mike Krzyzewski, the most successful yeah. college coach of our lifetime, changed his entire program a few years ago offensively to, 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 to modernize. He also started chasing one and done to keep up with Calipari. That, if that guy is willing to make wholesale changes, everybody else in Division One needs to as well. So that, to me, is the biggest thing of anything. What are they going to do? Will they sit back and look and think, we have to do something different? What is it? If we don't see signs of that, it's hard to see how this thing gets fixed. Well, I think we'll have time moving forward to talk about the program. Uh, I know there's a lot of things to talk about, obviously. Uh, but did, did you but not want to break I down T.J. Berger's game tonight? I, I, think, I think we've said everything we can about McClung at this point. Um, actually, I'm hoping that we have because I really don't want to talk about him anymore. Um, right, can I come on for a fun podcast, like one where we, like, you know, talk about I, – I don't know when that will be, but, like, I don't know. Pick a topic, something upbeat. You know, let me be involved in like the best wins of Georgetown program or something like that. Okay. I, 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 something something mm-hmm. upbeat. I don't want to just keep crapping on everything. <laughs> yeah, we we will bring you on for when we get to a discussion of perhaps the Sweet Sixteen and the uh, Hoya Madness bracket. Fantastic. Well. All right, guys. Well, I think I think we're done here. I think we are. It's been episode 51 of Kente Corner, the final chapter of Mac McClung.
guys. Why is that, sir? <laughs>